Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Ken Wall. He's the co-founder and partner at Cybrid Media. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, what you guys are doing is, is really interesting and uh, very cool. But maybe before we kind of get into um, Cybrid and then your other venture, Johnny, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Okay, yeah. So I'm born and raised in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Okay. So. Uh, pro, uh, not not necessarily a product of a automotive family, but there's def, uh, definitely a product of an entrepreneurial family, and um, and there's obviously a, an entrepreneurial buzz in Detroit, especially the, the generation above me, because they were you know key to building out that auto industry. So uh, I think that has a lot to do with where my drive comes from. Sure. So what? What did you end up taking in, in university? Yeah, so um, I actually majored in a, I went to Michigan State University. Okay. I majored in what is, I, I would assume is still a major there. It was called food industry management. It was basically a, almost like a specialization of supply chain within the food industry. Okay, what made you want to take um, that? Yeah, it's a little little different than what I went went into. Um, well, the family business was what I would kind of say a uh, the whole food wholesale food company. So it's kind of like uh, a Sam's Club before you know the Sam's Clubs and Costco's took over the world. Gotcha. And um, so I had a little background there, but it, that, to be honest, I didn't really drive the, the interest. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I started getting an idea, which I thought was potentially commodity trading, uh, just really resonated with me as I was learning it. It was it was probably too late for me to um, to apply for the business college without potentially doing six years in college. Got you. Um, so there, but commodity trading was something that potentially get into the food industry management because there was. It was the whole supply chain. So you had everyone from people who were going to go off after their degree and get into, um, you know, working corporate at maybe a Costco to people that were coming from the farm. And those people were doing a lot of commodity trading. And there was actually classes, a class or two on it. So it was kind of a, a window into what I'd want to get into without having to, you know, do six, six full years or something, if, you know, for a business major. Sure. Sure. So you, you finish school, you start working in the industry, um, correct? So actually, I never, I never got into anything related to my major. Um, while um, 
while in college, I had a friend that, you know, we, we were boys of entrepreneurial doing little things and he approached me with an idea that was a, um, you know, tech startup, if you will, okay. uh, a social media startup. I wasn't even very well versed in like online marketing or media, but, um, you know, being naive, it was like, Hey, we're in college. It sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> so awesome. he, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I was always willing to put in the grind, even today. So even while in college, the idea of starting something was was appealing to me. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, you know, that was, we started working on that. Um, and, and we raised some friends and family money um, and carried through on working with that after we graduated. And that was my, what I like to say, like my grad school into, you know, uh, online marketing and startups and just the tech world and everything that's led to my career today. Sure. And and so at what point did you decide to, to found kind of um, Cybrid Media? Right. So Cybrid was... Uh, was not something that me and my partner sat down and said, let's start. It uh, evolved out of a side, out of side consulting. So while running the startup that I started while I was in college, I got a, very good at being able to market content. So okay. articles online and being able to drive traffic to them from multiple sources uh, across the internet. And so that, what that led to was me starting to build contacts at large publications that were interested in increasing traffic to their articles and saw what I was doing with just this small little blog of our startup. Um, and so for side money, because we were a startup, I started offering those services to these large publications. So one of them was Bleacher Report, and this is sure maybe five years ago. So I don't know exactly when they were founded, but it was it was still somewhat early, you know, in their day. Sure. Um, and and I was put in touch with who today is now my partner in Cybrid, and he was working with Bleacher Report, and we were working together on on this initiative. And my part was to drive traffic with with their their articles and content. And, and we start and we did really well, you know, we really helped Bleach Report really drive up um, a lot of their traffic and audience for, for a while. And, and me and him hit it off and we found this synergy and complementary uh, skill sets. And so we started just applying that to other publications and that became a side consulting thing for him and I and remained that for a number of years until, you know, we, we were always under the name of Cybrid, but it was never, it was always still a side consulting thing um, until a couple of years ago when we, you know, actually started growing this as a, as a company and an agency. Sure. So, so you both quit your full-time jobs to kind of continue doing Cybrid full-time, correct? Yeah, kind of. I, uh, so during that time, you know, the startup that taught me these skill sets, 
uh, I walked away from me and my partner. It was like, you know, it was a, it was a college startup. Sure. We ended up selling it, having a little bit of an ex, you know, having, a, having an exit and, uh, making a little bit, paid our, our investors back and put a little in our pocket. And then I went on to run, uh, marketing at a startup in the Detroit area called Benzinga. Uh, and that's a financial media startup. And so I was working there full time. Um, while just doing this consulting on the side. And so I went, I worked there for three years, right in the marketing and, and cybrid was just a side consulting thing. And then it started, you know, growing and growing. And then after three years, um, you know, I stepped, I stepped down at Benzinga, took some time off to decompress, you know, sure. any, like any startup, it's a grind. And then, um, and then I moved out to Los Angeles, where I am now, to continue growing Cybrid as our, uh, you know, as a as a as our company. So what what made you decide to really move to LA, like just to do the per, uh, pursue the company, or was there other reasons? Well, uh, my partner Franco, he he has been living in Los Angeles for quite some time. A lot of our business is in uh, LA, or right. at least part of the, the companies are. So, you know, our clients are media entities. They, right. for the most part, are, are online publications. Um, and if they're not, they're at least involved in media. And so as this industry has grown and we can, you know, I think everyone can see it now, a lot of publications are producing a ton of video content, you know, when you scroll through your Facebook feed. So a lot of that has gravitated towards Los Angeles. Um, and so he was already there. Um, and it just made sense. A lot of our clients were there. We saw a lot of the industry heading that way. Um, and so, you know, definitely if the, the only other option would have probably been New York in right. terms of if it wanted to be close proximity to a lot of our clients and, well, Franco already lived in Los Angeles, so there's no need for him to move to New York. You know, I might as well just move to Los Angeles, and that's where we started growing the company. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you kind of um, covered it kind of briefly, but what exactly does Cybrid Media do? Sure. So from the get-go, um, and still to this day, you know, a good core of our business and, and what we've been built on is working with online publications and now just media companies because everyone creates content to a certain degree. Sure. Um, figure out how to build their audience. So we call it audience development. And a lot of that is, comes down to working with their content. Uh, so to a degree, we're also content marketers, but, it, but it's really about how do we reach your audience and grow it. So uh, we'll come in, you know, and back in the early days, what you would see at a lot of publications was the editorial side of things would come in and they would have their editorial roadmap, what they're going to write on, where they feel the stories are and they'd create it. And then the marketers or the people in, in charge of building audience or acquiring traffic would then take that content and try to market it across the internet. And what, what, where we found the opportunity for growth with a lot of these publications that they weren't taking advantage of is that there's multiple places that you spread your content across the internet. And a lot of this is, is a little bit more 
easy to understand today. But five years ago, Facebook wasn't the center of all media and eyeballs. And it was there, though. It was one of the options. But there was still Twitter. And, you know, there's plenty of people who thought Twitter was going to be the future of media, you know. And then, sure. but there was still Dig.com was, yeah, I remember those days. you know, considered the front page of the internet. There's some, some large publications today that, whether they want to admit it or not, started uh, literally off of growing off of dig.com traffic. And, um, and then there was Reddit, yep. which is obviously still around today. And then StumbleUpon, for a short period of time, maybe a year or so, actually became the largest source of traffic for publications outside of, of Google. So they actually, StumbleUpon kind of had their their um, moment in the spotlight. And so what we would come in and say, hey, look, like, you know, some, usually a publication say, we want to get tra- traffic or start reaching audience from this area. Our competitors are doing it, uh, but it's not working or how do we do it? And a, a lot of the disconnect was that, look, the reason why Twitter and Facebook exist is because either A, someone is using them for different purposes, or B, different types of content resonate on them, right? And so you have to understand that, that if you just go create one piece of content and go push it across all these platforms, it's, it's not necessarily formatted or even the topic of the content isn't even, might not necessarily be a fit for that platform. So you have to start at the editorial process of thinking about who you want to see your content, where you want them to see it, and then how you create your content to fit that. And that's where we built Cybrid off of, where we would come in and either build that strategy or we would just come in and start seeding their content in these different places and then providing them a feedback loop on how they could optimize their content. Okay, interesting. So how does, like, when, when people are looking to kind of get into this whole space and maybe even before they kind of hire a company like you guys, what, what do you usually kind of tell people to do to kind of start off, you know, getting themselves out there on these different platforms? Yeah, so um, at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to the quality of your content. Um, and you can see companies out there that have had and not just publications, companies that might be SaaS, you know, uh, might be an accounting software, you, you know, who did this really, really well early on was Mint.com, yep. which eventually was sold to, I believe, Intuit, where they built essentially a blog around personal finance. And I think the mastermind behind this might have been Noah Kagan at AppSumo, but um, they built... It became a resource. They became an expert. They did it through their content. And then they went and pushed that content out into places, bringing inbound traffic back. But it comes down to the quality of the content, right? If, if, the reason why Mint's a good, a good example is if you're going to be going and putting out advice and content about personal finance, it's going to have to be pretty good and accurate and helpful and knowledgeable for someone to actually click it read it and then even find enough value that they're saying, wow, these guys know what they're talking about. I'm going to sign up for their free software. 
Sure. So it comes down to that quality of content. You have to get it out there, and it's not necessarily a volume game. You know, it, it there's there are there are companies and blogs out there that produce really in-depth research, long-form pieces of content. One article maybe per week, but it's so good that it spreads, right? right? And I think that's, that's where you start. If you're trying to, for whatever reason, acquire audience through the form of content, you start there. The other place is Facebook video. And I think that's because we all can see that it's a very early market and I think there's a lot of opportunity and if you can find a way to create video and it doesn't have to be of the highest production standard, but it has to be just something of value, you can really reach a lot of people and I think that's maybe the second wave, but not a replacement, just maybe the new wave. Content forms of text is still very powerful got you yeah no that makes sense and and you guys work with a lot of kind of top um brands and influence influencers correct right so what evolved is that in the industry it was that um facebook obviously became the central source of traffic for most online publications and with that with all these platforms whether it's reddit Stumble pondered big back in the day, Twitter, there's always users that are hubs, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we called them influencers four years ago, but that's what they are. They have a lot of followers. And so whatever they put out there is going to have an influence. It's going to generate eyes, balls and such. So as Facebook kind of took over this market share, um, what we found was that there was really large influential people in the forms of uh, Facebook pages that could actually, you know, send people into like links or clicks or into websites. So what that started with is us just kind of saying, look, this is an opportunity for us to network and build some relationship and inroads with maybe some traditional celebrities and such that have large followings and connect them to content and publications that they're already interested in sharing or they already are sharing because it's, it's, it's a necessity for them to share compelling content for them to keep their page growing and engaged. So let's connect them with content that they're already posting and, you know, let's let them make some money from posting it because they're already going to be driving eyes to these publications to begin with. And that was kind of what, that led to us starting to work with influencers. It was just some kind of a natural organic evolution into that, into that space. Sure. So how did you reach out to these people? Did you just cold kind of call them? Did you, did you network um, through, you know, connections or a bit of both or how did you kind of build those relationships? So at first it was, you know, exploratory in the sense that, Hey, there might be something here. Let's, uh, reach out to people we know. Okay. And that's just a, you know, a mat, that's kind of just a, a relationships network. Um, you know, living in LA yeah, was fair. not necessarily, uh, uh, it was it, opportunistic in the sense that, you know, there's people here that, uh, are influential and have large followings. 
So it was kind of a little bit of a mix. But then okay. once we, you know, saw traction and said, wow, this is a large opportunity, then it was, you know, continuing to do more of that. And then also, um, you know, beginning to reach out and, and build relationships that we didn't have prior. Sure. No, that makes some sense. So I'm curious, um, you guys also launched um, Johnny. Do you maybe want to talk about Johnny and what exactly it is? Yeah, sure. So uh, Johnny Excedra, which is J-O-H-N-N-Y-E-T-C.com, is a new publication. It's a new brand, a media entity that is targeting what we call the Comic-Con culture. It's, um, you know, geeks for lack of a better word, but it, but really it's no longer geeks. It, it, but it covers comics, superheroes, gaming, VR, uh, that, that entire industry that's really growing. Sure. Um, and really it was just a culmination of us helping build some really great media entities over the last four and a half, five years several helping them, you know, lead to successful exits and us still always saying, you know, not all of them did everything that we think they should have. We kind of had a 30,000 foot view. We're seeing what all of them are doing, right? We're seeing what some are doing right. Some are doing wrong. We have huge data sets to tell us, you know, what kind of content in certain verticals are working well, which, which content was oversaturated, which topics were oversaturated. Where's this opportunity and where's the growing market? So, um, yeah, after four and a half, five years, whatever, whatever it is, we, we saw this opportunity with this vertical where the market size is growing. You have, you know, the Disney's and the studios fueling money into the growth of comics and superheroes. You have comic book sales, literally paper comic books, finally making more money than they used to. Um, you have a lot of the female demographic becoming involved in the gaming and comic industries and, you know, interest in there. So it's a growing market. And then in terms of the vertical, we feel it's very underserved in terms of media entities out there um, that exist right now covering this information. So we said, hey, let's take everything that we've done for a lot of these companies over the last couple of years and let's apply it to building our own um, – our own media company, which is Johnny, et cetera. I think that's really cool, actually, that you guys are kind of doing that almost as like a, well, it's like, as like a side project, kind of? Um, no, it's very much, it's very much a serious project. So Cybrid, unfortunately, Cybrid's in a, in a good place. Okay. We have a really good team behind us. And uh, Franco and myself, this, uh, Johnny is, has quickly become a, um, a very, strong focus and, and will continue to grow. I mean, we have some very, very audacious goals for what we want Johnny to grow into over the next couple of years and where we want it to be. And, you know, the only way that we're going to get it there is if we apply, you know, the same focus to it that we applied to Cybrid, you know, one, two, three years ago. Sure. So I'm curious, what, what's the story behind Johnny calling it Johnny? Yeah, you know, we we the, the I'd start with the fact that that start with the fact that since you asked that question is kind of is evidence that it, it worked for us because 
we wanted people to ask that question. Okay. Right? What is it? So if it's just if it's just comics.com, well, we're pigeonholing comics. If it's you know video games, you're you're pigeonholing video games. But further, it's you know, or if it incorporates that, then then it's just it's telling you what you are. But what we're really doing is we're building a media brand. So the future of Johnny is not just being a site that covers the news and covers these industries, but uh, the future of Johnny is to actually be creating this original content. So actually creating original comics, original web series, um, working with licensed content and the studios to create, you know, new types of Batman stories and such. And so to do that, we have to build ourselves a brand and, the brand needs to be something that can, can touch everything, right? So sure. it's kind of like what was Marvel when Marvel started. Sure. I, I don't know what the, the term was, but it wasn't Comic Books Inc., you know? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, and then you could, replic- you could add verticals too at any point, right? If something new comes along, um, you could just be like, we want to add this because it's cool, right? Like, like you guys cover VR and AR, well, five years ago, you probably couldn't write a lot of content about that stuff because it was so kind of early on, right? And who knows what the future holds, right, for, for that stuff, right? There might be a new vertical that's related to the content you guys are covering and you can add it, but you're right. If you call it like comics.com, you're only kind of pigeonholing yourself. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And I think that's just something um, that I that I think is important to think about when you're starting a company is, even the exact name isn't necessarily important. Um, you know, if we called it Johnny versus uh, Mark, <laughs> I, sure. you know, I, I personally, I personally like Johnny better. But, but the point is, is like that's not necessarily going to make or break you. But I think that you do want to think strategically. Like, you know, maybe you're an accounting software today, but you might get into in like invoicing, billing. Um, who knows, right? Transactions sure. in the future, because once you saturate a market and you provide value, you oftentimes have a lot of opportunities in other areas. So I think that is important strategically to think about when you're thinking of, you know, a name. Uh, how are you going to be represented three years from now if, if you are able to achieve what you're setting out to do? Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, th- I think that's really good advice is like, don't pigeon your whole yourself right out of the gate because you're right there's a lot of even startups out there now that their name doesn't really make sense for what they do right now like as of today right and if they've been around for a couple of years you're like oh that doesn't make sense at all but it is what it is right right and i mean not to completely contradict myself there there's definitely the philosophy of let your audience know who you are directly um you know quick in loans like you're not you know, it's loans. Right. But, um, but I think that there's a, there's just a balance. And it also depends what market you're getting into. And like you said, I mean, we launched Johnny a couple months ago. I mean, we're, we're, we're just building out, you know, distribution and our, and our editorial strategies right now, um, you know, early on, but literally just a couple months ago when we started it, there was not an AR VR section. So, um, we, we made the decision in the last couple of months that this is a area that we want to, you know, grow and cover and, 
and be known for. And so our, our name and our brand didn't uh, limit us from making, you know, that decision or that change. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm curious though, how do you guys come up with content ideas and how do you guys find writers to either write that content, whether it's you doing that yourself or you're kind of outsourcing that, or do you have like an internal team or just kind of recommendations for kind of how do you generate ideas and come up with content and then get, who do you get to write that content? Sure. So for creating the content, we do work with a lot of freelance writers. Um, we're always open to working with people. If someone were to approach us and say, you know, I'm already writing this kind of content, uh, you know, I'd be interested in writing for you guys. And by all means, you know, that, that sometimes is where your best talent comes from. But I mean, we've been fortunate that we've worked in the, in the media publication space for so long with so many different publications that we've been able to learn you know, who are, who are the right writers to produce this content and build relations with them in the past. So we've, we've been fortunate to be able to leverage a lot of those, but I don't think it's necessarily a hard thing to do. If, if you're a startup out there looking for someone to write for you, um, you know, just your general networking, some, find someone who you like uh, the content they're writing already on your space and reach out. And even if you can't afford them, they'll often, you know, lead you in the right direction. Um, so that's as far as, you know, who writes for us and, and we do have some in-house people as well. Um, and then, and then, um, in terms of what we write, that gets kind of back to our, uh, what we believe is our, one of our competitive advantages and what we believe has allowed us to be successful with a lot of the companies that we've helped in the past is that, uh, we do it to a very hyper you know, on steroids version of what we've done in the past for other companies in terms of what we're applying to Johnny. And that is we try not to write an article without already having data to determine that there's an audience who's not only wants to read it, but is going to read it. And that's created through the marketing aspects of pushing content out there and creating feedback loops to determine what are people reading who are they, what's their demographic, what titles, what images, what topics, everything. And so we start building some really, really strong data sets that allow us to say, okay, you know, we, we know that this is a hot topic, but what is the right angle and right is a specific piece of information that people really want to know. And we can leverage, you know, back data to help us determine that. So we've created a process where, our marketing and audience development team work in tandem with our editorial team. And we really, really limit the amount of articles that are produced without even, uh, with, with having some, some level of security that people will read it. Interesting. Okay. So you have all this data, you write these articles, you post it on the site, and then how do you go about promoting it? Do you use, do you still use the traditional kind of um, media channels like Facebook and Twitter or are there other things you're doing or how do you go kind of about promotion of these articles? Sure. So, I mean, in the terms of Johnny Sedger, we're very early. If you were to go, uh, you know, look at our Facebook pages, I guess we just launched a couple of months ago, so they're, they're not huge yet. And, but, you know, one thing we've done is we're, we've created multiple pages that are, are targeted to certain interests. Uh, rather than just having one 
one page that targets everyone. I think that's a a potential strategy that people can look into if they have the resources to, you know, spread themselves across a couple more targeted uh, pages with, you know, certain interests and verticals. But in terms of general overall distribution, um, you know, right now, Facebook is king in terms of content. Um, And so that might not be the case two years from now, but you need to leverage it while it's the case if you're building a brand. So most of our resources at the time are are geared towards marketing through Facebook. We do a lot of Facebook ad buying, um, and that provides value in multiple ways that I think people should consider when they're trying to acquire traffic. If you can acquire the traffic at a low enough cost uh, that you can afford, the value is one, it creates that feedback loop. So when you put, when you go and target that content towards people, you're, what you're finding out based on where your cost per click ends up or your CPM or however you're structuring it is really telling you how people are responding to that content, the people you're targeting. And that's how we build that data set, right? You put something out there, Facebook's going to tell you in the terms of costs and data, how people are responding. You bring it back, you optimize and so forth. So I think one, it provides a huge opportunity that even if you, you plan to market outside of Facebook, you can still leverage Facebook for that data. uh, So you know where to put it in other places as well. And then the second thing is that, is that Facebook allows you to have control over the quality and again, who you are targeting. So, uh, you know, we're building a brand around certain verticals and we want to make sure that there's quality readers. Uh, we're an English, you know, language site. So we want to make sure we're the people that we're bringing to our site are English speaking readers. Um, and we want control over that. And as well as making sure that they are people interested in the specific, you know, topics and verticals that Johnny Excedra is covering. So primarily early on, like I said, because we're so early, the majority of focus is Facebook. Sure. But then once you build yourself a foundation, you know, you scale, you, you, you build your team, you build your resources. And there's, we all know, a lot of other avenues for, for growth, uh, the emergence of Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, of course, Twitter, YouTube, and so forth. So you just, you know, we're Facebook focused to begin with because that's where we feel we can build up our brand and our foundation the quickest with the most amount of quality. Sure. And I also think it's a little bit of trial and error, right? Like certain networks are going to work better for you. So start there, right? And maybe drop the others for a while and then maybe try to go back or it's a, it sounds like, at least in my case, and it sounds like you, it's a little bit of trial and error too, right? Like you guys decided to go to Facebook because it's working and you might move to other channels eventually, or you might still post to them, but you kind of just have to keep trying. Yeah, right. I think in, in, in any type of marketing, you're, it's really trial and error at the end of the day, right? And really what makes you successful is the, the process and system you have in place for you to uh, to assess that and what I like to call feed, create feedback loops so that you can see how it's performing and then how quickly and efficiently you're able to optimize based on that information. And really every time you make an optimization, you're really getting closer to the sweet spot. Right. And that's just like marketing 
in general. So if you take that very high level scientific experimental approach to anything you're doing, what I'd say is when you're looking at budget, when you're looking at timeframes of I want to reach this goal, I have this amount of money or this amount of time, build in the fact that for you to be successful, you're going to have to have that optimization, trial and error, experimental phase. If you're trying to just go in there and nail it, even if you nail it the first time, that's great, but you still don't necessarily even know why. So how do you replicate that, sure. right, the next time over? So you build it in, and that's what makes you become great at what you do in terms of marketing. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, are we still doing things on Instagram right now? Absolutely. But is it a primary focus? Are we allocating uh, a, a lot of resources to Instagram, right? No, but we're building data off of the things we're doing for now so that when the time comes that we scale, we're going to have data to work with and we'll know exactly how to allocate you know, our dollars and our resources and our time. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, how often do you recommend people um, post new content to their different channels? And I get it depends on the size of your company, but is there kind of an average maybe for like a small, medium, and large company? Um, you know, I think that I, I, I think that, you know, if we crunch the data, there might be, but I, I usually try to stay away from that and say, you know, figure it out yourself because what works for one company that may look identical to you still might not work for you. Interesting. Uh, there's no... You know, I'm not going to, I don't, I think everyone knows, like, don't go post, you know, a link to your Facebook page probably every five minutes. Sure. Um, but I, but if you're debating between once an hour, if you have the volume of content versus, um, you know, six times a day, I think that that is something you should be testing, right? And, okay. and, you know, maybe, maybe I, you know, you start, you just start on one side of it. Say let's start with, you know, four posts per day and you get your baseline data and then you go a week where you up that to eight per day and you compare. Like how did how did your reach change, you know? Did you generate less clicks per link? But overall combined, the eight still equated to more than the four, you know? Um, or you start on the other end. You start with eight per day or 12 per day or whatever and then you test, you know? The other side, I think that's really the only way you're going to find that sweet spot. And the other thing to remember is all these platforms, they're all built on algorithms, all their feeds. So, you know, right now, maybe posting, you might find today that posting 12 links per day for your page works great on Facebook. But Facebook might make a, a tweak to their feed because they feel, you know, too much type, too much content or certain types of content are saturating the feed or they're trying to move their audience in a different direction. And, and then all of a sudden what you're doing yesterday isn't producing the same results. And that's why I think you, you need to figure it out yourself because then you can have a good, a good beat on those changes and you can adapt to them yourself rather than just constantly looking for someone to tell you, you know, after the fact. And if you find it early, then you find an opportunity that other people might not have exploited yet. Right. No, that's good advice. And I, I think um, you bring up an interesting point that like these companies are always changing their stuff, right? And you kind of need to at least trial and error or stay up on kind of the trends that they're, you know, 
doing and the changes that they're making. Absolutely. And I think the daunting thing for people starting out is how do I catch up? Sure. Right? Like once you kind of have a good feel for what's, once you find something that works and you have a good feel for it, if let's say Facebook or Instagram or whoever makes a tweak to their algorithm, you're going to get a sense of it through your data, right? All of a sudden what you were doing that was working isn't working. So it's either something you guys are doing or it's something that is in the algorithm, right? You're, you kind of isolate these variables. And right. if you can rule out that it's something you're doing, then you at least know that it's something that changed with the algorithm. And then you can start trying to figure out again, experimenting what it is to get back to your sweet spot. Um, I think the daunting thing is how do you get to that point where you can be doing something well and identify when something changes. And I think that the, the best way to get in there is, is like just to get in there, you know, set yourself a budget, set yourself a budget, set yourself a goal and build, set yourself a process of how you're going to tweak it. I'm like, you know, we're saying I'm going to post six times a day. I'm going to, you know, run ads this way. Um, I'm going to measure what happens. I'm going to write it down and then I'm going to make a tweak, you know, and it's basically just like AB testing at the end of the day. It won't take long for you to find success. As soon as you find one little bit of success, you exploit it and it's going to lead you to the next and the next, and you'll find yourself at some point being further along than your competitor. Sure. No, I, I think that's really good advice, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show, so maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about Cybrid and uh, Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, CybridMedia.com. It's Cybrid. It's uh, we say it's like hybrid with a C, so C Y B R I D. Uh, I'll be honest, there's not a ton on the website. You know, the best way is maybe emailing me, and that's kw at CybridMedia.com. And then um, if you want to check out Johnny, et cetera, just to see what's going on, or again, you know, the vertical and topics or things you're interested in, then it's J-O-H-N-N-Y-E-T-C.com. And, uh, and reach out, like, love to hear your thoughts on either of the things we're doing. Um, love to have conversations about this uh, and, and always happy to provide insights and help if I can do so or or pro people in the right direction. Perfect, Ken. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and, uh, you know, have a good rest of your day. Yeah, Kevin, thanks a lot for having me on and um, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good, man. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.